Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Wop, bop, loo, bam, wop, bam, boom. We the folks who walked on the moon. We got Elvis Presley, Muhammad Ali, home of the brave, land of the free. Love it. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, but I am only nominally your host during this episode because for the second consecutive year, I'm joined by our guest, Mojo Nixon. Yeah, quit hogging up all the mic time. I got stuff to stay here. (laughs) Thanks for coming back, man. Uh, Really appreciate it. Like I said, I'm only nominally the host. Last time I had a whole bunch of topics. We talked about Danville. We talked about Wendell Scott. We talked about your radio program. This time, you you have written down nothing. I I don't even have my laptop. Do your bosses at N, does Mr. N at NBC know that you have written down nothing? (laughs) This is like me doing a podcast about my security blanket. So (laughs) where are we going to start? It's up to you. I, I got, you know, you want to talk about uh, the greatest racing song of all time? You want to talk about uh, Rich Petty versus Dale Earnhardt? Or you want to talk about the uh, all-star race or how to fix NASCAR? Let's start with uh, Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, Jimmy Johnson. Because we actually had this on the podcast. We had Jason Wygand, who's a motocross announcer and sometimes a pit reporter for us. And he brought this up. He actually brought up Jimmy Johnson in the context of well, Earnhardt and Petty. So I, I'd like well, to hear well, your Well, I thought. think, you know, if you just look at the numbers as driving, Jimmy Johnson is on, is on the way to passing uh, Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty. Yes. If you just look at the driving numbers. And I know lots of people say you've got to take – uh, in Rich Petty's case, you got to take a lot of those wins away. And I'm willing to take half of them away. Half of those wins are on a Wednesday night against no competition. <laughs> Fine. He's still better than Dale Earnhardt. The, the wins uh, on a dirt track in Islip, New York, or something right. from the 1970s. Right. At, at, an don't air, count. at an okay. airport in hell. And, uh, <laughs> okay. But so, you're right. If you're just looking at the numbers, they're very even. Yeah. Both have seven championships. Let's say Rich Petty has 100 wins, Dale has 76. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And, uh, Jimmy Johnson's going to have more, and he's going to probably have eight championships. I think Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt are very close to each other. And I, but I would put Richard Petty ahead because uh, for two reasons. One, he has more wins. And two, there is no Dale Earnhardt without Richard Petty. Now, I know that's not Dale Earnhardt's fault, but at any given moment, somebody is the face of NASCAR. And Richard Petty was the face of NASCAR for 20 years, from mm-hmm. 64 to 84 or something. And uh, is that 20 years? Hell, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then Dale Earnhardt was the face of NASCAR. Here's Jimmy Johnson's problem. Now, uh, Jimmy Johnson is the face of NASCAR, but he's not – the casual fan doesn't know who Jimmy Johnson is. If somehow – and this is the idea I had today on the way here. If you were to combine Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson into one person, that would be greater than both uh, Richard Petty and – 
uh, Dale Earnhardt. Greater driver, greater and more important to the sport. Part of the problem is, is that Jimmy Johnson, you know, he, he's like Bill Russell. You know, yeah, that's he, a great analogy. Well, who's, who's the guy who's on the Spurs that won all them champions? Tim Duncan. Right, he's yeah. Tim Duncan. And that shouldn't necessarily be held against him, right? It shouldn't be held he against him, but it is in turn. Right, so there's most wins, most championships, most dominated their time. And in fact, you can argue that Jimmy Johnson dominated his time more so than those other guys. Right. They spread their time out over about 50. Usually, I think both of them, it's 15 or 16 years were their peak years. Where Jimmy Johnson, it's more like eight. He won five championships in a row. He's kicking everybody's And by the way, if you knew the real Jimmy Johnson, I've said this, I think, on this podcast, certainly said on SiriusXM, certainly written it before. If you knew the real Jimmy Johnson, if Mojo got to hang out on a beach in San Diego, which yes. is where Jimmy Johnson's from, and have a Corona... This is a guy who's a lot of fun. I'm not having a. I'm going to have some of that tequila Jimmy Johnson had when he was <laughs> yeah, surfing. That, yeah. When he was surfing on top of the golf cart. So have you gotten to see that side of Jimmy Johnson? No, but I in San Diego talking to some of uh, his friends and some of his dad. Right, they all each one of them had a story right. that involved uh, Jimmy Johnson going down a road with no lights at 100 miles an hour. And <laughs> so why don't we hear about that side of well, Jimmy? Well, I think like, part, what's the part of it is part of it is. Uh, Jimmy Johnson is not a loud, outgoing person. He's not DW. He's not Rusty Wallace, right? You know, he's not he's not a loud, outgoing person. Second off, Jimmy Johnson uh, grew up. You know, his his mom drove a, a school bus. His dad drove a backhoe. They lived in the trailer park for a while. They're not even from San Diego. They're from El Cajon, the working class part. They're not even from El Cajon. They're from Crest, the hillbilly part of El Cajon, up realize. the mountain, right? So. So he, Jimmy Johnson had to be very good with the sponsors. Otherwise, he wasn't going to have any – right. There, was a, there, is, there is no father-in-law. There is no rich person to sponsor Jimmy Johnson's career. Mm -hmm. So Jimmy Johnson, at a young age, at 14, had to, re, you know, had to learn how to be good for the sponsors and to be good on TV and be good on the radio and not be the wild man. That that's a path Jimmy Johnson chose. Tony Stewart, you know, Tony Stewart didn't didn't you know grow up rich either. He chose a different path, a path involving cases of Slitz beer. But hey, that's another story. <laughs> Tony Stewart essentially appealed to the working man, blue collar side that Dale Earnhardt certainly correct. To. And also, Jimmy Johnson would very much styled himself as Jeff Gordon 2.0. Right, right. In fact, what's 24 plus 24? 48. 48. You ain't got to be a genius to figure this out. <laughs> so Jimmy Johnson was cognizant of the fact that he needed to present this polished, some might say wooden corporate, persona, right. corporate persona. And he uh, should get credit to some extent for that, right? Because right, he recognized that's not who this he is. is this that's is not his, really who he is. And, right. But this was his only route into right, major right. league only route. racing. Right. And and Jimmy Johnson may be more talented than any, any other race. Maybe David Pearson. You know, mm -hmm. maybe, you know, Jimmy Johnson may be the most talented race car driver who's done more. Jimmy Johnson is the greatest of making a mistake and overcoming it. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Johnson finds himself 34th and then suddenly he's second. Jimmy Johnson, or, or maybe he's the best closer. If Jimmy Johnson's near the front, he's going to win. Everybody, everybody else knows it. At Dover, that what's-his-name could have had 500 restarts. It wouldn't have mattered, right? <laughs> Jimmy Johnson was going to kick his <laughs> So. I you know I think Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon they're the they they're the most important drivers to the sport. But Jimmy Johnson's a better driver. He's the best driver. Period. He's the best in driver. The period. Of stock car right. And you could argue you could argue that uh, you know he's he's in the best equipment. He's on the best team. And I think you also can't underestimate. 
the chemistry between him and Chad. Nobody stays together this long. Everybody gets divorced. How? What are they doing? Does Rick Hendrick dress up like Darth Vader and and, and they, <laughs> they exchange blood? You know, they, each person puts different person's blood in or something. Because the two of them together is truly a case of one plus one equals three. And, and lots of lots of crew chiefs. It's one plus one equals two point five. This is a pairing that I think transcends NASCAR and goes across all professional sports. I mean, the the analogy you hear a lot more lately, Mojo, is Bill Belichick, who has some right. Chad Knauss in him, or perhaps vice versa, Knauss has some mean, Belichick uh, in him. Uh, been, been known to uh, take advantage of the <laughs> legal situation. That could be a way of phrasing it. I would argue also the way that he deals with the media or his players. I mean, that drill sergeant, right. sometimes an aloofness to him, doesn't care about anything but winning, again, to his credit. And then Jimmy... So on, to, to, to the point where, like, on Christmas Eve... <laughs> On Christmas Eve, he's like, no, I can't come over and have some eggnog. I got to work on this chart, you know, for next year. And and we both think Chad and Bill Belichick are like that, right? right? And then Jimmy, obviously, would be the Tom Brady in this equation. That's a good thing to be, Tom Brady. In some regard, yeah. Well, and and, and Tom Brady in this last Super Bowl, Tom Brady went from best quarterback of all time to almost greatest football player of all time. Right. Tom Brady can be mentioned in the – I can't believe I'm saying this – in the same sentence with Jim Brown. For Tom Brady, that is unbelievable, and it's and, I, and Jimmy Johnson can be mentioned in the same sentence as Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty and Jeff yeah. Gordon. And Brady strikes me in a similar way to Jimmy in that he's not very controversial. He's good with sponsors. You see him on TV a lot in commercials and things like that. But yet he is synonymous when people talk about who is the biggest superstar right now in the NFL for the last five, maybe even 10 years. He's one of the first names that comes up all the time. And like you said, for Jimmy Johnson, casual fan, sports fan, doesn't necessarily think of him when they think of, of NASCAR. So there's a disconnect there that I've, I've never quite understood. We want our NASCAR fan, you know, I, the traditional fan from the Southeast, wants our NASCAR fan to be a hell-raising hillbilly. And Jimmy Johnson's just not that. Yeah. You know, he's from California. He's a laid-back California guy. You know, he's an off-road racer. He'd be, you know... He'd like to go. He'd like to eat, you know, eat uh, carne asada burritos <laughs> and go off road racing down in, in Mexico. And, and I understand that a lot of these drivers, Dale Earnhardt had a, a bulldozer that he really only pulled out for the photo shoot. <laughs> but, but that's Humpy but, Wheeler has said this. He just wanted, made sure he, he pushed the same mound of dirt from correct. one end of his uh, arm yeah, I'm not to the, the other. To tell the story. Yeah, yeah. But Dale, yeah, but, no, that, but this is true. smart. This is smart on Dale's part to connect with his working class construction worker. You know, but yeah. his base. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. to use political term, he's connecting with his base, yeah. even though he doesn't know, you know, he, he doesn't know a bulldozer from the hole in the ground. It looks like, you know, it looks like he does. But it wasn't entirely an act with Earnhardt. No, it wasn't. Son, son of a mill worker, you know. Well, no, that, a, a son of a race car son driver. Son of a race car driver son who has that mill, wor- mill worker community type vibe. Correct. They, they, people felt like they were, he was one of them. And he also had that it quality. And then when I go back and watch interviews of him, from the 80s or 90s. I mean, he does seem to have like, like a presence and a charisma that is generational. Right. I, I don't know how often that comes along, but probably once every 30 no, or 40 no. years. He, he, you know, he's smirking about half the time with it. You know, you can see in the back of his mind. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. Can we say on this show? I'm messing with you. Right, but you can see that look in his eye. And like the good old boy, you know, you talk about the cotton mill, you know, that's, that's the backbone. To escape the cotton mill, you went to NASCAR. And, uh, you know, we're in Danville, uh, Wendell Scott didn't want to work in Dan River Mills. Mm-hmm. All those drivers, you know, didn't want to work in the mill. They wanted to be race car drivers. Right. 
this was their ticket out. We've established Jimmy Johnson, best driver of all time. Yes, and it, it, I don't know if he has to win, you know, eight championships, but he probably will. I, I agree. I, this, is how, this is how good Jimmy Johnson is. So after he won, when he was about to win his third, whatever year that was, I went on the radio, or swore yep. up and down, mm-hmm. swore up and down that, you know, nobody had done it since KL. There's too much competition. There's just no way. No way! Jimmy Johnson won't win three championships in a row. If he does, I'll eat my shorts. He won five in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Bojo. Well, is, do you think that's part of it? That fans just thought there was no way that this kid from El Cajon, who just emerged out of nowhere be, as, a, as a quasi-Jeff Gordon clone, could do this? And the well, fact that he, he just like he did it when everybody said ah, this can't happen well it's gonna happen again. It was, i don't think it had anything to do with him i just thought it was probability probability tells you that right you're not going to win three in a row and probability really tells you you're not going to win five in a row mm-hmm. there's so many there's a hundred ways to lose a race there's only about five ways to win a race and so the same so a championship it's like there's a thousand ways to lose a championship and there's only about 10 ways to win it with wayne gretzky the Pittsburgh name people who've won five championships in a row. The New York Yankees. The I hate Yankees. <laughs> the Yankees and the Celtics, and that's it pretty. The list pretty much ends there. Jimmy Johnson and Jack and us are doing this against a level of and a caliber of competition here that as someone Correct. a longtime NASCAR fan like yourself. I mean, not only that, they're also doing it when NASCAR at the time, was changing a lot of things during that run of five straight championships. They to slow the Jimmy car. down, and it didn't work. They changed the chase, as it was known then. Yeah, to essentially try to Jimmy-proof the championship. No, no, it, was, it, was like, it was like Tiger Woods. Work. Like, you know, we're going to make Augusta longer. You know, yeah. That just made Tiger mad. There are, on any given weekend, there are 10 or 12 really good cars and drivers in a race, and there are t- up to 25 that could easily win. Uh, you know, in the 60s and 70s, uh, you had usually you had three manufacturers, you had, you know, Maybe two cars from each manufacturer, that'd be six. Maybe a couple of, you know, extras. Most everybody was racing for ninth. You know, Wendell Scott was, you know, racing to be the first of the independents who didn't have a factory ride. Those other guys were four laps ahead. What are we doing next? <laughs> I don't know. Let's fix the all-star race. <laughs> oh, how to fix the all-star race? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, got a, I, got a, I got my piece of paper. NASCAR has an inherent, there's two inherent problems with the NASCAR all-star race. Number one. In baseball, you can take the best two players from each team and make an all-star team mm-hmm. that only plays one night. All our best drivers race every weekend. Okay, so if it's you're redundant. Really, so if you How cut, do you if you cut off the, the 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 back half of the field, well, they weren't going to win anyway. Right. You know, All right, So that, that, there's one there's an inherent problem there. The other problem is if you have the best drivers on a mile and a half track. And this is, this is part of the, uh, you know, Charlotte. This is, you know, the tyranny of Charlotte. We must have it in Charlotte. If you have uh, 20, 20 cars on a – 20 NASCARs on a mile-and-a-half track, within two laps they're all going to be spread out. Mm-hmm. There's no action. You know, it, I, I don't care, you know, how you trick it up. Here, here's what you do. You take it to a short track. We can't do much about that first thing. You know, we're going to have the best drivers, and however you pick them, we'll have the best 15 or 20 drivers. So – First, we're going to go to a short track. Well, since it's an exhibition, why don't we do it on dirt? Okay. Yes. That's one it's an exhibition. Yeah. Right. It's an doesn't exhibition. Doesn't matter. It doesn't count. And, and it doesn't count. And since it's an exhibition and we're going to do it on dirt, why don't we do throwback car bodies different every year? You know, 50, 57 Chevy, you know, 1970 Plymouth Superbird. You picked your car by uh, 34 Ford, you know, the Moonshiner car. Is there... All in the same race. No, no, no. Each oh, year everybody drives one. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Each yeah. year it'd be different. Okay. And then 
you have it at the short track. Now, you're not going to be able to get as many people in there. So, oh, tickets are going to be, it's going to be crazy. I got to get in. I got to get in. You can have it at the short track in Charlotte if you have to have it in Charlotte. Then the drivers are going to be right next to each other in cars they don't understand, and there's going to be plenty of beating and banging. That, see, that would be special. That would make the, the all-star race right. special. Right. What we have now is not special. I agree with you because it it's not differentiated and it's a, from the rest of the state. And this is, this is another problem. We need to go to Iowa. Mm-hmm. We need to have less mile and a half. The, it's, a, it's simple math. The shorter the track, the closer the cars are together, the more action there is. The more action there is, the more restarts there are. The more restarts you have, the more action there is. At place like Michigan or California where they get spread out, you could have nine hours of green flag runs. <laughs> you could put 200 cars out there. They'd never run into each Sensing other. Sensing a new idea, the nine hours of Fontana. <laughs> that could work. Oh, wait. Oh, I had more ideas. Wait, yeah. I wasn't done. I, I, well, I want to ask you real quick. Did you read what Jeff Burton wrote about the All-Star Race? Yes, I did. Okay, right. South Boston. So, he, right. so he, he had a same, similar idea. So I, I agree so with you. you be good with that. See, just Jeff go to Burton is from South Boston. I'm from Danville. I know. They're only about 20, guys, 30 miles apart. You guys are like hey, peas I, in a I, pod. I got, it, I, got it, I got an even better idea. Okay, so the winner gets a million dollars. The winner has to give it to a fan. <laughs> That I love. Yes. It just oh, randomly it? picked out the crowd? No, no, no. Each, okay. each, each team gets to pick, use their own way to pick a fan. Okay. Each team picks a fan. That fan has to ride in the car with the driver. <laughs> see? See, man, Mojo is thinking. Mojo, <laughs> you know what they call me? Big Idea Johnson. <laughs> now, I understand that it's dangerous, but they're going to be on a dirt track. They're not going to be going that fast. They're going right. to be slipping and sliding. Right. Think of the fan that went. Think, think of the TV. You know, it'll be on CNN. Fan jumps out of car holding a giant million-dollar check while Kyle <laughs> Busch and Kevin Harvick be, you know, beat each other to death in the corner. Just to play devil's advocate, I'm sure NASCAR or whoever might be sanctioning this wild off-the-rails mojo race would say, well, what about safety? <laughs> we ensure that this person who could win a million dollars. Well, we can't. We right? can't ensure. The drivers, you know, right. It's not uh, – racing is dangerous. That's part of it. Even for the fans in this case. Right. Now, look, we could have the fans, you know <laughs> – we could have the fans stand in a bullpen okay. in, in the middle of the uh, track or something. Okay. No, I, I'm all for like just strapping him in and letting him be a part of this thing. I just I think you just sort of have to have some but that, level that, of insurance. See, that, that means so if you get, get picked, named. if you get picked and you you could say no, you could say no. Yes. I don't have the testicular fortitude to win a million dollars. Okay. You know, I'm not I'm nothing but a big kitty cat here until we get you know 20 fans who like want to win. Like who loved NASCAR. And then they sign like a 100-page waiver oh, and yeah, off we go. 500 page. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go to the devil's house. <laughs> what about those who might say, are we really going to see the true test of a driver's ability because they're accustomed to driving stock cars all the time? And I guess maybe this sort of falls apart because a guy like Kyle Larson goes and runs a sprint car and wins six nights in a row. So maybe that's... But we're not... We're, that the true it. test of a driver's ability is in the regular season. This is an exhibition race. Right. True test of the driver's ability is, you know, being good on all those different kind of tracks all year. So this is just more about fun and entertainment. Yes, it's yes. not even about necessarily being Look, good. If we could somehow get like a human <laughs> cannonball involved, you know, where to get your million dollars you had to be shot out of a cannon. Yeah. You know, something, you know. Yes. All right. I like it. See, now I've written this. That I think that the fundamental flaw of the all-star race, beyond the redundancy, I agree with you there, it's relevance. It's no one has defined what this event should be. No one has said 
in Major League Baseball, it was, oh, this is when the American and National League played Right, together. they never play. They're going to play. And now – And we have a superstar. Each side has a superstar team. And you see what happened there. 20 years in an interleague play, you have this right, event that nobody cares about right. anymore. It used to be like this midsummer showcase that was like the anticipation level for the World Series, and now it's it's facing that problem. Every other sports all-star, all-star game or event – NFL is the Pro Bowl. Obviously, they, they've thought about just chucking that right. all together because nobody plays hard. NBA, <laughs> same thing. They have like 200-point right. games. NHL, same thing. Every right. every every sport has struggled with like trying to find the fundamental purpose of the All-Star event, and I don't know what it's supposed to be. Maybe it is that, Mojo. Maybe it's just entertainment. It's right. bring the human Well, I also ball. think in some of the other sports, it's a big party at the hotel afterwards. Mm-hmm. Right. So you got to you got to go to the party with all the other stars. Mm-hmm. You're uh, it's how you know you're a star. You know, because you got to go. That's what I, I want to go to the secret party. The party where Michael Waltrip is pouring the drinks. Let's go to that party. <laughs> I've been to a couple of those. You've been to those, see? Ba- back in the Waldorf days, that there was kind of an after after party. Sure. There was the after party in the ballroom. Right. And then if oh, you that's could, the official after party. If you no. could find out what the room number was, you could get up to the suite in the Waldorf and find out where the after after party was, where the, the real fun was being had. Yes, that, I that, only made it in once. Yeah, that's the party. I, that's the party I'm interested okay. in. Okay. So now that we're talking about parties and entertainment, we should should probably talk about best NASCAR driving song. Now, it's very complicated here. Is it a is it the best song for us to drive to? Best song that mentions NASCAR? You know, I, I got a big list here. You've got some notes. I, I got some notes. <laughs> back, so, okay, there, there's uh, back in the 50s, there was a bunch of hot rod songs. You know, yeah. up going up to the Beach Boys. Right. Beach Boys, 409. There was, uh, you know, Black Slacks and a... Black, how did that song go? Black Slacks. And uh, there was a bunch of hot rod songs in the late 50s, early 60s. And before that, and simultaneously, there's also a bunch of truck driving songs. But there's a bunch of car songs all along. You know, Chuck Berry, Maybelline, Rocket 88. Mm-hmm. Right, it's Rocket 88, Jackie Brenson. They, you know, so those are in the 50s. Now, I, you know, let, let's go in, in reverse order. You know, you, you you got songs like 409 by the Beach Boys. You got Hot Rod Lincoln by Commander Cody. Radar Love by Golden Earring. Roadrunner. I don't know if you, it was a Bo Diddley Roadrunner. I'm a roadrunner, baby. He goes, <laughs> and then there's also Jonathan Richmond Roadrunner. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got Crawling from the Wreckage, a Dave Edmonds song. Yeah, okay. okay that and one then I know. we got yeah. Bruce. Bruce Springsteen, Freehold Fireball, The Last American Hero, Dull Eyed and Empty Face. He, you know, he's, he's got Pink Cadillac. Mm-hmm. He's got Cadillac Ranch. He's got, you know, Thunder Road. He's got Stand on it. And, you know, he's got Born to Run. And none of these have NASCAR mentioned in the title. No. Okay. No, but these are all, these are songs that when you put them on. They embody the spirit. They of embody the spirit. They, you you want to go faster in your car. My number one, Ballad of Thunder Road. Ballad of Thunder Road, Bob Mitchum, Joe Maphis on guitar. (laughs) Bob Mitchum, the American existential hero. I don't know if you've ever seen the picture of Bob Mitchum when he got busted for pot in 48. Anyway, he's standing next to, they're giving him the sentence. He's got a sneer on his face that is a direct line, a direct line to James Dean, to Elvis, to Joe Strummer, to the snot-nosed kid on the playground right now. 
the young American punk. I love it. And and Robert Mitchum is right. That was the character he always played. Anyway, and have you seen the movie Thunder I, Road? I have not seen. What are you I, a Yankee I, or something? I've heard the song by Bruce Springsteen. Thunder no, 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 no. But no. I don't know the ballad of Thunder Road. This is all new. I probably know it if I heard it. And he he talked about Thunder, Thunder over Thunder Road. Thunder was his lightning, and white lightning was his load. Then moonshine, moonshine to quench the devil's thirst. Well, NASCAR certainly could use a little bit more rebellious soundtrack. To, yes, to, to its uh, to its racing. Certainly. Yes, and uh, who was that crazy guy, uh, the Babe Ruth of NASCAR? Um, uh, oh, well, Curtis Turner. Yes, man. I, did you read that book about Curtis Turner? I have. Yes, <laughs> the guy did a lot and, of crazy things. Well, yeah. and just think of what they left out of the book. Curtis Turner would you would, you know have a ongoing party in his hotel room the whole time he was wherever you know from Thursday on, mm-hmm. and then he would pass out on the back on the hood on the trunk of his car. Sunday morning, sleep three or four hours, then go win the race. That's America. America. Right. See, that's the that. Like, I understand that, you know, that Napa's putting $24 million in and they don't want that. Right. I understand that, but to me, that's the mythical NASCAR. Right, the hillbilly hopped up on goofballs, yeah, <laughs> going way too fast and cheating. One of the greatest cheaters of all time is also, you know, one of our greatest drivers and owner, Junior Johnson. Junior Johnson constantly look. He says, "I was looking where they weren't going in the rule book. If the rule, if they said a rule about something over here, well, they didn't even mention this." Junior Johnson, who actually went to jail for a man in a moonshine, still is the embodiment of Robert. Mitchum in Thunder Road. That and, I can relate to. Right. And, you know, NASCAR's worried about, you know, we're losing fans. I think NASCAR to cater to its core fans, the people that love NASCAR, who love, you know, Junior Johnson, who right. love Dale Earnhardt. You see these tracks and you see the seats are half full. Well, I think, you know, we should go there half the time. And then they would be all the way full. I think NASCAR is doing fine. It's just not at the, uh, uh, you know, whatever year was the peak year. Two, what? 2005, I think, right. is the one 2005, that NASCAR, on. that was irrational that was, exuberance. That was peak right. NASCAR. The peak NASCAR, 2005. <laughs> right. NASCAR was the hot you, you, hot new sport nationwide. Yeah. You can only be the hot new young guy once. If, 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 if So if we think of that as 125%, if we can dial back to 75% and stay there and keep those fans, I think we'll be fine. So your core fans point mojo here here's something that we talked about with steve o'donnell recently on this podcast nascar understands it wants to appeal to those core fans and it's important not to alienate them because i think a lot of them feel as if they got left behind when things grew so much but at the same time you and i were talking about before this you need to do things like you said like limit the races to under three hours core fans don't want to hear that core fans want races to be longer they want 500 mile races all the time and three and a half, four hour affairs. They view that as an affront when you try to shorten a race. So how do you thread that needle if you're NASCAR and, and deal with that? I just don't think with uh, with cell phones and digital technology and social media, people, people don't have time to spend five hours. When do people spend five hours on something? I don't think a casual fan or even a hardcore fan has more than three hours. So is it just about communicating that? effectively to the core fans do you think like they just don't understand sometimes the the most important thing is to have good racing big bill was right don't stink up the show right so don't let you don't have somebody win by seven laps don't have somebody pull a martin truex you know Mm -hmm. like he did at uh charlotte uh whenever that was that was that last fall that was uh 2016 yeah Yeah. 393 laps of 400 yeah 600 miles right pure domination yes that's right so So here's what we want here's what fans want Fans want many times during the race 
Cars going three car, cars going into turn three, three wide, and ain't but one of them going to come out. <laughs> you know, I think we would we would be, we would benefit. You know, with good guy, bad bad guy, and that that always helps. More guys right. embracing wearing the black hat. Yeah, Kyle. Because Kyle's the only guy who does it right now. And well, and Kyle and he also can't do it all when, the time. when he won the championship, and he broke his legs. He went good guy. Yeah. He was nice Kyle. Now we saw jerky Kyle recently. Right. You know, so but I right. Kyle needs somebody to buck up against. But he, he needs a couple more guys in that corner, right? He needs a few other A few other bad, right. To put in prison. But Right, but I think in some of these, who, who's that kid with the beetle haircut? How come a guy has a beetle haircut in NASCAR? What's going on there? He's like the fifth beetle. <laughs> Eric Jones. <laughs> but, yeah, he needs somebody who's super nice. Okay. And all, is always going, you know, I just want, I want, I want to thank my mama. You know, and my local church, you know, and every, and so, you know, and, and somebody who's super nice and very, you know, conservative and, you know, small town goody two shoes. While we're on the top of the Beatles, I'll give you my three NASCAR songs really quick, by the way. Molly Hatchet's Flirting with Disaster. Oh, because that's a good when, one. I, when I used to play NASCAR in 1998 on PlayStation, the first NASCAR video game I ever played, I believe that was like the theme music of that video game. Feels like a driving song. Avid Brothers, who I know you're a huge fan of. Yes, I love them. <laughs> From Concord, North Carolina. Have a song called, I believe, In the Curve that is about, I can't remember what vintage automobile it is, but car wreck involving some vintage automobile. And it has the line, I'll see you in Concord tonight. So a Charlotte Motor Speedway type reference. And then Driving the View by Sunvolt. You like Sunvolt? Americana? Okay. Sometime America? Okay. I'm, more, I'm more of a Jeff Tweedy guy. Oh, really? You're not Jeff Ferrari? What, okay. What, what, what's the Sunvolt? I don't even, I thought his name was Sunvolt. <laughs> well, you, these, you, know, like, you know why familial... it's called Sunvolt? No. Oh, Memphis, that's Memphis Labels. Oh, really? Sun okay. Records and Volt Records. Elvis was on Sun, though he spelled it S-O-N. Okay. And then uh, Otis Redding was on Volt. That explains it. And they're from, you know, they're from up the river. Right, right. 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 They're, uh, we're talking right. about uh, Uncle Tupelo. We're going deep into obscure uh, obscure <laughs> way, bands from the early 80s. Way oh, down oh, the rabbit hole. What, oh, here's some other songs. Uh, the Distance by Cake. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's uh, about a motor race, right. actually. About a, yeah. Right. Hit the road, Jack. On the road again. King of the road. Rambling man. Oh, eastbound and down. Who doesn't like eastbound? You hear eastbound and down, you're ready to drive another 100 miles. You're just in your... Woo! <laughs> Whenever Bristol does its driver intro songs, that always gets yeah. chosen. And then uh, there was uh, the drive-by truckers have a song called Daddy's Cup. Okay. But it's kind of sad. You need to check out Sunvolt, man. They, if you like driving songs, they, they got Driving the View, Root. The Sunvolt guy, it always sounded like to me, like he, was, he sang like the guy from R.E.M. I, I, Michael I, I, Stipe sounds like Jay Ferrari. Didn't yes, you know and okay. apparently this is only in my head, but my head's very active. There's a lot of stuff going on over Because I made this comment to other people, and they go, huh? Yeah. It's, something, it's something about the way he, he sings okay. uh, or pronounces or stretches the words. Hmm. I get the feeling that he listened to a whole lot of R.E.M. But things that happen, uh, let's just say, I don't know, 85 to 95? Yeah. It's a little blurry on Mojo's end. <laughs> Speaking of music, yeah. do, do you read the Bob Lefsitz letter? I, I have occasionally, okay. but uh, I, I usually think it's, uh, it's too much. It's just too much. Over blunt? Okay, because yeah. his recent one was Rock is Dead or something like that. Is, is Rock dying? I don't know. Something. something right, I always effect. think that's complete and utter bull. So you don't believe it? No. Rock there is a, there's a 13-year-old kid, who, <laughs> and he is on a playground, and he is singing some nasty song to you know a, a 13-year-old girl. The primitive rock and roll instinct is always there. Sometimes it's up at the top. The Stones in 72. 
It's at, you know, everybody's, everybody's getting it. You know, you know, Elvis and Chuck Berry and Jerry Lee, everybody's getting it. Other times it's way buried down underneath. But the, you know, <laughs> that sound. Yes. The sound of America. She'll live forever and she'll never die. <laughs> I feel like this might be a good place to end it. Uh, do we have other things to talk about NASCAR? No, I don't race? think so. We solved the All-Star race. We talked about Jimmy being the greatest driver ever. We did songs. We talked about NASCAR getting back to its roots. I, and, my and work here is done. And, <laughs> I, I can't thank you enough for being a part of the show again, man. Uh, Nate Ryan, thanks a lot for having me on, man. Thanks, Mojo. We appreciate Mojo Nixon for joining us. Just like last year, we recorded that back in July before the race at Kentucky Speedway. But I thought I'd save it for the offseason. Hopefully it held up well. I always find Mojo's musings to be of a special vintage, whether it's the indie rock gems that he recorded a few decades ago or his irreverent rantings on his Sirius XM NASCAR show. Mojo is an original who has a lot to say in his inimitable style, distinctly humorous and offbeat, yet often illuminating as well. This is our last NASCAR and NBC podcast of 2017. Thanks to those who listen and subscribe. I'm very grateful for your support. We will return in the new year with a more regular weekly schedule of guests and probably some other twists as well. If you enjoy what you're hearing on the NASCAR NBC podcast, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We also are available on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, virtually anywhere you can find a podcast, you'll find this one. Happy Holidays, Happy New Year, and thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC Podcast. With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.